Yo, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new, a month in the making, but a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Of course, I am your man, Armand Lee. First and foremost, I want to thank each and every one of you all who are listening to this show, whether it's, you know, on the 15th, 16th of March or whenever it does make its way to you. I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me after a month long delay. Uh, some personal good things, good things, no concerns, no near need for you, anyone to worry, but some good things happening to me on the personal front. So I needed to take some time, but yo, we back at it. No more delays. You understand each week we coming out with brand new heat and, and because I've been gone for so long, I'm going to give a bonus episode later in this week. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but about this specific episode, man, there's so much to discuss I've been away for so long. There's so many topics that I want to get to, including why the debate over analytics makes me very, very uncomfortable. Y'all know what's been going on. We've seen some some incidents that's been popping off in the NBA for a while. We're going to break that down momentarily. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. So there were a few things that I missed, obviously, uh, in my my delay. Some of the biggest things that happen in the sports world, obviously the Super Bowl, Tom Brady wins his, what, his seventh Super Bowl title. Shout out to him. The NBA, they went on with their all-star game. Shout out to the NBA. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the idea, but it's economics. The bottom line matters. We understand what time it is in a capitalist society. So, you know, if you went down to Atlanta, dog, I don't know what you want for real, but... Hopefully you safe and hopefully, you know, you ain't spreading none of that craziness to anybody who is trying to, you know, socially distance because y'all assholes for that. Slim, real quick aside, I have um, I've been in different places, let's say, uh, recently. And some of the cities, y'all all the way open, <laughs> like all the way open. And I don't understand it. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense when you look at the totality of the. You know, the impact of the last year, we were really dumb. <laughs> Just one takeaway. We were really dumb. I went to a spot, grocery store, and they had an open buffet in the middle of a pandemic. And Bama was just going up to that joint eating it, and I was like, dog, what the fuck? But whatever, regardless. A lot of things have been happening in the sports world, outside of the sports world, in the month plus that I have been away. But one thing I can promise you when I say this, the number one topic like a few weeks ago, I was ready to just have an emergency pod and just talk about this one thing because it annoyed me to no end. I'm talking about the Nate Duncan, Anthony Edwards Twitter storm and the ramifications and everything that followed after that. For those of you who are unaware, and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But rookie, Minnesota Timberwolves rookie Anthony Edwards, you know, has not had the most productive season. I think we all would agree there. However, he had easily one of the most impressive feats of athleticism and basketball talent that I can remember. You understand, like, I guess a few weeks ago, maybe, it was the anniversary of the DeAndre Jordan dunk on Brandon Knight. 
And I remember when I saw it that night, it was cool, but I felt I felt honestly like Twitter just hyped that joint. Like I remember watching, I was like, dog, he caught a lob. Brandon Knight didn't know what was happening. He just jumped up there, he got caught butt naked, and you know, whatever. Cool. It was tough, don't get me wrong. But that joint won't like it. You feel me? It was like, all right, that's dope, but dog, you 6'11, he's 6'2. <laughs> you feel me? And it won't like you you dribbled up and yammed it on him. You caught a lob. But Anthony Edwards, he took it, took it to the rack, finished strong, up and over, buddy. And it was truly one of the highlights of the year. When they have like kind of year recaps, that's going to be like we're going to see that dunk for decades to come. And it was such Hayden ass shit that Nate Duncan, in the midst of everybody celebrating a phenomenal play, people were excited to see a play. Nate Duncan jumped up there, jumped out the window. was like, oh, yeah, but he's only two for eight, two for nine, whatever. Dog, that's some hate. Like, who cares? You feel me? Every moment, and this is coming from someone who loves analytics as it pertains really to anything, but specifically to things that I'm interested in, right? I like to play blackjack. I have found a way, or I shouldn't say I have found a way, but part of my technique in blackjack is to analyze the numbers and the data you feel me like again we've we've talked about this so much if you're going to buy a home it's important that you use the eyeball test it's important that you see the home it's important that you walk inside the home make sure it feels a place that you can actually settle in you know and, and a place that you can envision living in that is very important however don't buy a home and not know about the property value. Don't buy a home if you have children and don't look up and research how well the schools are, price of gas, how far away, how far away it is from wherever you're working, et cetera, et cetera. Yo, you need to have data. And we're going to talk about this war against data and how it appears in really, really ugly ways in the fourth quarter this week. But back to Anthony Edwards and Nate Duncan. Nate Duncan, let me make I make let me make sure I'm perfectly clear. He was hating like shit. Anthony Edwards has a phenomenal play, a play that will live on in history. And your first reaction to that is, oh, he was only two for nine. Dog, shut, shut up. But, but, and this is key, because this is this is pertaining to a lot of y'all motherfuckers who listen. Or at least some of y'all who are cool with motherfuckers who's doing this. If you had the right response to Nate Duncan by saying, dog, how are you going to try to throw cold water on a play made by a player that was phenomenal? Like everyone is celebrating this play and here comes Nate Duncan trying to douse that excitement. If you call that out correctly, if you correctly call that out as Lane and Hayden, but have in the past called out Rudy Gobert, if someone is saying, oh, man, look at the Jazz. Look how great the Jazz are. And your initial response is, well, they're not going to win a championship. Or, and the funny thing about this was, it was that same week, maybe a day or two before the Anthony Edwards play, Ben Simmons scored like a career high 40 points. It was like two days prior. 
He scored like a career-high 42, 40 points or something. And there were so many people whose initial reaction from celebrating someone doing something that they will be proud of, something that is an accomplishment. If your initial response to Ben Simmons scoring 40 points was, well, how many three-pointers did he shoot? You feel me? It's the same thing. If you are going to take time, if you see someone being celebrated for accomplishing something, that is phenomenal. Dog, if you make it to the league, that's something to celebrate. If you're the last guy on the bench, dog, that's something to celebrate. If you are the first guy, like if you're the last guy on the bench and you score, remember Buddy who was in the G League, he was like 40 years old, 38 years old or something, played for the Lakers that one game. And like, that was an accomplishment for him. Imagine somebody being like, oh, well, how many points did he score in the one game he actually got to run for an actual professional NBA team? That's lame, right? We, get, we agree. So why is it that we can agree on Anthony Edwards? But we still, some of y'all better still do that same stuff. Like, why is it cool to hate on certain players, a la Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, um, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, etc. But it's everybody jumps in and piles on Nate Duncan for going at Anthony Edwards. Like, if you if you were one of the people who jumped out there and killed Nate Duncan, but still was one of those same people who who criticized the Jazz for having the number one record in the league and say, oh, well, they're not going to make it to the finals. Or you were one of the people who criticized Ben Simmons after he scored a career high point saying, well, how many sh he didn't make any jump shots. He didn't make any three-pointers. Dog, you actually more lame than Nate Duncan. He lame as shit. But at least he's consistent in his lameness. Like, don't be flip-flopping with your joint, dog. Don't... Don't, that's, that's one of the reasons why Twitter is so fake. So many people adhere and like put so much emphasis on their followers and retweets and traction. Dog, the whole shit is nasty. It's all fake. Don't put that much energy into it. Dog, Twitter is phenomenal as a news gathering resource and it's great for, for cracking jokes and it's great to kind of watch things as a community. But once people, I mean, people started taking this shit so serious. There was one person who, who came out and was like, this is, this is the knock against analytics because Nate Duncan was lame. Though that same person uses analytics when they cover the NFL. Like, what are we doing? We get so hyped for some shit that we, we don't even, we can't even recognize when we are made out to look like a hypocrite. And I'm just sitting back and no one brought it up. And this is why I love this podcast so much. This is why I love uh, living in this time. Like anytime I have to say something, anytime I feel the need, the urge, because I feel like there isn't anyone representing this, I have this platform, no matter the size. And I appreciate every one of you all who's listening. But that's real because I'm watching it. And I'm like, hold on. Y'all Bama's was doing the same thing that y'all killing Nate Duncan for. How did that look? <laughs> How did that look? You know what it is? It's like when you, I don't know how many of y'all know this or know people like this, right? There are people who like hate interracial dating. I know people who can't stand interracial dating. Shout out to the beautiful black women, you know, but there's some people who love to dip in and outside. I ain't judging nobody. Like dog, if you love somebody, go ahead and do, do you. Don't put down anybody, right? 
Because sometimes, brothers specifically, we go out our way. Like if if some of y'all who like to, you know, whatever the case may be, you can like whomever you like, but that don't mean you got to put down anybody else. You feel me? But the, the there are certain people who can't stand in a racial dating when other people are doing it, but they do it all the time. <laughs> and then it goes back to like, dog, you, you sound crazy right now. Like you understand how crazy you sound, right? That's what it was. Watching everybody come at Nate Duncan days after people doing the exact same thing that Nate Duncan did. They were doing it to Ben Simmons. They've done it all year to the Utah Jazz. They used to do it to Carmelo. Just go down the line. They think about the number of times. Think about the number of stories where people literally make all these talking points just to shit on someone's accomplishments. It happens all the time. But Anthony Edwards, that's the line that's too far to cross? Fuck out of here, Joe. And I'm just sitting. <laughs> I'm just sitting watching, observing. I'm like, hold on. I felt like I was the last man, the last man speaking English. Because I'm looking around like, hold on. Y'all Bamas don't see this? Y'all don't see this? You feel me? Because it was clear as day. It was clear as day to me. I'm like, all of this shit is lame. Nate Duncan, yes, he was lame as fuck for doing that. But if you were doing it to the Jazz, or you were doing it to Luca, or you were doing it to Ben Simmons, or you were doing it to whomever, and then you also took time to, to jump in on the pile on of Nate Duncan, no, you actually more lame than Duncan. You feel me? Because at least he consistent with his dumb shit. I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we got to a point where we as fans spend so much energy taking shit away from people who are accomplishing things. Dog, it happens in the dunk contest every year. Motherfuckers who have never dunked in their lives are shitting on people who won a dunk contest. Huh? how that look like? I don't know how we got here, bro. But... I am slamming on the brakes, trying to hit it in reverse because this ain't it. It becomes a task just to enjoy so much of the NBA. Now it's all about, it's like a zero lump sum, right? Either you're won or you're lost. And no, it's not that you can't play 82 games, every single team, every single year, 72 games this season and have the only the only brass ring of success be, did you win a championship? Nah, that ain't it. Because if that's the case, why do you watch? If if the season is only about one team winning a championship, why are you watching in March? Why are you watching in February? I watch basketball because I love it. You feel me? I love watching people do things that I could never do. And I was nice in basketball when I was younger. You feel me? And these dudes regularly can contort themselves and, and, and make moves and, and, and can anticipate and finish and do so many things that I wouldn't even be able to imagine. And they do it like walking and breathing. And if we, if we have lost the ability to just sit back and just allow ourselves to be amazed, to be fans, just to watch ourselves and say, or just to step back and allow ourselves to observe art 
You understand? Art and athleticism and competition at the highest degree. If we have lost that, then what are we doing? What are we really doing? I want to hear from y'all, man. I want to know. Actually, specifically, I want to hear from y'all haters. Because don't, don't hear this, don't hear this quarter and they be like, oh man. Yeah, I know, you know, Malcolm down the street, he was doing that. Nah, motherfucker, you was doing it too. I want to hear from you. The people who sent that hate to Nate Duncan, I'm talking to you. Please. I want to know what your whole rationale was for that. Because, yeah, we all, dog, we all got to carry an L at some point. And this L is hanging hard on that neck for y'all, Joe. So email me, quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterlyshow, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E show. All right, guys, the first quarter is in the books. We're going to stay on the hardwood for our second topic this week. Second quarter. I think we've talked about this several times in the past. But in the NBA, there are more teams who will lose the championship than there are teams who will win it. Now, I know you can hear that. Like, dog, that don't even make any damn sense. But just, just rock with me for a moment. Walk with me. In the NBA, the scarcest assets, the scarcest kind of thing that you would need are the elite players. There's a difference between elite, great, very good, good, average, and then below average. And oftentimes, the indicators or how to identify which player falls into which category would leave you kind of like making a potential, potentially disastrous mistake, particularly considering that the NBA is a salary capped league. It's a phrase that we say all the time on the show. So when in salary capped leagues, you have to win at the margins because everybody's working basically with the same amount of resources. But again, the real, the, the real desirable assets are the scarcest ones. Like they're not a bunch of LeBrons playing at the same time. <laughs> you feel me? That's, that's why he's one of the greats because there's never going to be, there's never going to be another Wilt. There's never going to be another um, Kareem. There's never going to be another Mike. There's never going to be another LeBron. There's never going to be another Duncan, Magic, etc., etc. Elijah Wan. Just go down the list. The best of the best. They just don't come along often. And typically, there's one or two at the top all at one time. It's one of the reasons why LeBron is so phenomenal. Like, people want to give him hell because he's lost six times in the finals. With the exception of Dallas Mavericks, look at the teams who beat him. The San Antonio Spurs have beat him twice. One of the greatest teams ever. He lost to the Golden State Warriors three times, one of which his second best player in that series was Matthew Della Vadova. The other two is when Kevin Durant and Steph Curry were both healthy. Both of those guys are top 15 players, and they're at their peaks together. It's just never happened before. So, like, it literally takes multiple, and I know people, and this is not a, a quarter about LeBron. I don't want to make this happen. But for those of you who say, oh, man, LeBron's always playing on super teams, ask yourself, what's Kevin Love doing? What has Kevin Love ever done 
without being a teammate of LeBron? What is Kyrie Irving ever won without being a teammate on with LeBron? Put a pin on that because we're coming back to Kyrie with the Brooklyn Nets. But what has Kyrie done before LeBron or post LeBron? Anthony Davis. He won one playoff series without LeBron. He's been to the playoffs twice without LeBron. First year playing with LeBron, NBA champion. <laughs> and then Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh is a phenomenal player. Hopefully he makes it to the Hall of Fame this year. But shout out to Ben Wallace. He definitely deserves it. Chris Bosh didn't do anything prior to LeBron. Hadn't done anything post-LeBron. And obviously post-LeBron, you know, he had his health issues. So really, LeBron had Wade. And if we're being fair, those two years, of those four years in Miami, two of those years, Dwayne Wade was phenomenal. Two of those years, Dwayne Wade was, eh. But I digress, because again, this is not about LeBron. The point is, in a competitive field, and only one team can have LeBron at once, everybody else, the 29 others, are working from a disadvantage. Because in a salary cap league, I can pay LeBron the most I can pay him. Let's say it's $30 million. If there's a $120 million salary cap, I've got $90 million to work with. But if I have LeBron, oh shit, that $90 million is life. I'm, I'm cool. Giannis is a phenomenal player. One of the best five players in the league. He ain't LeBron. So it's harder to try to build a team to beat LeBron even when you have Giannis. Now imagine you don't have a Giannis. You don't have a Kevin Durant. You don't have a Steph Curry. You don't have a LeBron. You don't have a Jokic. Now it gets hard. So winning a championship, obviously the scarcest resource, is the elite talent. The second, and this is where I really want to hone in on the second quarter, the second most scarce resource when it comes to the NBA in championship building is a smart, competent front office. I'm a Nick fan. I have seen it with my own two eyes for 21 years now. What happens when you have just the worst front office and no one has any idea? And then when you finally get one that seemingly does, that looks like they're competent, you push them out right when they're about to turn the corner. And then you set yourself back basically a decade. It happens over and over again. So my first statement in the second quarter, more teams lose a championship than win it. And we have a perfect example of this. Look at the Houston Rockets. I will never... I will never understand trading James Harden. Quiet is kept, and I don't know why we don't talk about it more. The MVP race has basically been forced upon us about Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James. Damian Lillard has kind of put himself in that conversation as well. James Harden's job to MVP. Kevin Durant ain't been playing for some weeks. Before the trade, it wasn't like Brooklyn was this dominant team. They lost to the Wizards twice. James Harden comes to town and reminds everyone. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, he had some really, really bad playoff performances. James Harden's one of the best players of this generation, and he's showing you 
The Houston Rockets had one of the five or six best players in the league. They traded him away for lottery tickets. It would never make sense. And all of this ties itself together. Again, we're going to talk about analytics in the fourth quarter. But, like, this is the reason why you need data and you just can't go with basic counting stats. Because a lot of players will score. There are players in the league right now who score more points than James Harden. Zach Lowe was saying, we talked about this like a month plus, how Bradley Beal has equal value to James Harden. If that's true, then that lets you know that the market is all the way out of whack. That just doesn't make any sense for one of the best players. And when I say best, a former MVP, a player who was runner-up for MVP as recently as last year, two years ago, and a player who probably should be a league MVP right now. And you give him away for Victor Oladipo, a player who has been very, very clear. He does not want to... Well, he wants to play for other teams. And future draft picks? <laughs> Hello? You would thank your lucky stars if you were able to draft even one player half as good as James Harden with those returning picks. It don't make any sense. So it's not as if the Brooklyn Nets have done anything great. And they've been really good. They got KD. They got Kyrie. But even with that, this is year two for them. Year one was clouded with injury. Year two, KD, it worries me. He has an Achilles, and this year he has a really bad hamstring. You paid attention. You know how this works. But again, I'm hoping. I love Kevin Durant. I think he's the ten, one of the top ten players of all time. But the Nets were able to move Karis LeVert they were able to move. What, what, what Crooks? I don't even know the Bama's name. Jared Allen and four picks and two pick swaps. That's it to get James Harden. And look is what look at what has happened to both teams since. Look at the Nets record. Look at the Rockets record. This happens far too much, and you can explain it. The Nets had Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and a bunch of really good role players. They did not have to trade either of their elite talents to get a player who you could make the case is better than all three of them now. Not saying that James Harden is a better player overall than Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant's not the same player because he's hurt all the time. You were able to get James Harden, didn't have to give up KD or Kyrie. Of course they're going to turn them into a superpower. It's like when the Celtics were able to get Kevin Garnett and they didn't have to give away their number three overall pick. They didn't have to give away Paul Pierce. They didn't have to give away Rondo. You see this stuff happen all the time. And then you're surprised. Oh, well, look how good the Celtics are. Then the Celtics were able to flip KG Paul Pierce for, you know, what eventually turns into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I don't know how good of a GM Danny Ainge is, but I do know how dumb Billy King and Kevin McHale were. That's how things happen. You can't bank on getting a, a LeBron James via the draft. 
You can't bank on getting a Kevin Durant via the draft. You can't bank on getting a, a Steph Curry or a Kawhi Leonard. It's just the odds, the probabilities are too low. But you can always bank on them being a dumb team, a dumb general manager who rushes and makes a decision out of panic because they don't know how to evaluate talent. And if you are one of the people who always criticize the folks who look at advanced statistics or analytics or whatever you want to call it, data, if you criticize folks for using data to make a intelligent decision, dog, well, what does that say about you? Dog, they traded James Harden for picks. You have James Harden and you let him get away from Victor Oladipo who probably will be gone and picks? How you how you surprised that you can't win? You don't have any talent. You just gave up, you gifted one of the best for an opportunity. You gave away one of the best, real, tangible currency. Again, I've used this analogy over and over again. I have a briefcase of $10 million and I'm giving you the $10 million for 10,000 lottery tickets, scratch offs. I got the, I got the currency in the bank. What am I, what am I doing? What were the Rockets doing? And what makes it even crazier is after the trade immediately followed. I hope y'all took notes. I hope y'all made a mental note of those who were celebrating. So many people were applauding what Houston was able to get. And again, I'm looking at everything like I'm the last man on earth. Will Smith, I am legend. I'm looking around like, hold on. Y'all don't see this? There were people, trusted people, credible, credentialed media, people who talk for a living every day, telling you how Houston did a phenomenal job in the James Harden trade. And this is not hindsight. Y'all can check the tape. Now go back and listen to the podcast. I was immediate. I was quick, swift, and certain with my response. I was like, that shit is dumb. Now people are starting to come to, oh man, oh my goodness. How could Houston, yeah, motherfucker. How could Houston trade one of the best players for, for guys and lottery picks? It's beyond me. So Brooklyn, who was a good team, but not a championship contender, has definitely turned into a contender. Not because of strategy, not because of great execution and coaching and dedication, whatever, whatever. They turned themselves into a champion because Houston, right? Houston allowed it to happen. Houston, like we said at the beginning of this quarter, more teams, more teams will lose a championship than win it. Brooklyn was just opportunistic. And look, that's not knocking on them. That's not a knock. Tippy cap to them. They put themselves in position to go ahead and pick on the little kid on the block. Dog. Hey man, it's cold. It's cold word out, man. Get a blanket. But if Brooklyn wins a championship, at this point, you would imagine within the next three years, they're going to win at least one. At least. Yeah, the players did the winning. The players balled. But that opportunity only came about because another team chose losing over championships. 
they gave away one of the best, one of the most scarce resources in team sports, specifically in a capped salary cap league. The number one ingredient for a championship team is always the star player. And the Rockets traded a star for a bunch of fucking pebbles. <laughs> All right, y'all. Y'all heard the horn. That means the first half is in the books, man. Thank y'all so much. Again, man, I've been gone for about a month. Uh, just been a lot of really, really dope stuff happening for me. Uh, some changes. Uh, so I needed to make sure I, uh, I took care of that. But we are we are back and better than ever, man. Again, we're coming out each and every week. There will be no more delays. Um, so I want to appreciate, I want to take time to thank you all. And I appreciate you all, the, the kind words, the emails, the tweets, and still the downloads. So again, man, make sure you continue to spread the word. We are back every week, every Tuesday. Y'all know the deal. It's back to basics now, man, the quarterly report. So again, make sure you guys download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podknife, wherever you listen to pods, you can find us. We're at Quarterly Report. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys. So like I told you we're going to have two pods this week, you know, because I feel I feel a way. You know what I'm saying? I, I left y'all hanging for a bit. It was longer than I even anticipated. But we're going to get to um, have times and everything. We got a few special surprises for the second uh, pod this week. So stay tuned. That will be coming out later this week. But for this show, we're going to skip uh, all the pleasantries. And there's just so much stuff that I want to talk to about. And our third quarter this week, we're going inside the square circle because once again, the number one cash cow, the number one pound for pound fighter in the world showed us exactly why he moves the sport more than anyone in recent history. It's our third topic. This third quarter. Canelo Alvarez is the face of boxing. I think we all understand that. If you are a fan of boxing, you get it. If you are not, even if you don't follow the sport, you probably can name maybe a handful of boxers if you don't follow boxing. And Canelo Alvarez is one of those five. It speaks to uh, his Q rating. It speaks to his appeal. It speaks to uh, the exciting style of fights that he, he presents each time he steps in the ring. But more than that, and again, I've talked about some of the issues I've had with Canelo in the past, specifically uh, the tainted chicken excuse. But they know, no matter where you, how you cut it, Canelo Alvarez is the best boxer in the world. And now that it seems that his um, financial and you know, uh, promotional situation has been cleared up. I want to give, I want to make sure we celebrate Canelo because not only is he the best, but he is doing something that harkens back to a time that many of us faintly remember. Some of us listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, if you are in your 20s, you don't ever remember it probably where the best fighters fought, but they fought regularly. We are now in a time where like top prize fighters fight two twice a year. And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not knocking anybody at all. You gotta, you know, your body, this is your moneymaker. You have to make sure you take care of yourself and training and keeping your body clean and fresh and energized and ready. 
I'm focused, you know, like, yeah, that's a year round responsibility. So stepping in the ring for a prize fight, you know, we oftentimes overlook what these guys and women are doing just to stay ready, just to, to continue training before training camp even begins, just to make sure that, you know, they're professional, not just in the win-loss column, but making weight, not having to drain themselves to make weight and then potentially costing themselves in the ring for the fight. Like this is a year round, 300, there's no weekends. There's no vacation. So when Canelo fought Callum Smith in December, and then it was kind of talked about that, yo, uh, he was going to get back in the ring relatively soon to fight, what was my guy's name? Uh, Avni Yildrum. You know, a lot of people wanted to, and myself included, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not going to do that. I'm going I'm to I'm keep myself honest as well. I was like, no, we got to do away with the mandatories. Because when we saw the fight, and if you watched Canelo's last fight, it was clear. The, the Yildrum just did not belong in the ring with Canelo. And we get ourselves in positions where it's scary because Canelo could have really, really hurt him. And that's why his corner stopped the fight. Yildrum's corner stopped the fight because they knew it too. It was obvious. They, did, they should not have shared the same ring. I would have never wanted him to be a sparring partner for Canelo, let alone get in there for real. So when that fight was announced, and especially when the fight was finished, people were like, yo, man, this is this is awful. This is a bad look for Canelo, particularly considering that the Andres is still out there, the Charlos are still out there, uh, the Mungias, the Benedict, like there are Peter Beeves, like there are fighters out there who we really want to, Plant possibly, and you know, I'm not the biggest Caleb Plant fan. Um, that there are fighters out there that we would want to see Canelo fight, but then, right? Because it's easy to jump on someone. It's easy to to critique and ridicule and complain. Canelo fought ten weeks earlier, and he's fighting ten weeks essentially later. What Canelo, the face of the sport, is trying to do this year. I just don't think it's being celebrated enough. Callum Smith was a huge fight. Like, whatever you want to say about Callum Smith, you can't, you can't argue with the criteria. He's a, le a legit champion, a legit fighter. And yeah, Canelo's going to be favored. Who's the fighter who Canelo wouldn't be favored against? Peter B. That's the only one. And Canelo would have to move up. Canelo ain't going to fight him. Like, come on. You want to get him against Andrade? Guess what? Canelo's going to be favored. You want to put him up against Maul Charlo? Guess what? Canelo's going to be favored. Mangia, Plant, Truex, whomever you want. That's why he's the best. But instead of looking at who he's fighting, dog, we, can, we have seen. We have seen Canelo's resume. We can't act like Canelo don't get in there with people. Like, I keep hearing people always criticize Canelo because he hasn't fought the three or four guys that we like. The Americans, we know who they are. But like, look at Canelo's resume. Who's the fighter that he's ducked? You understand? Who's the fighter that Canelo's like, ah, man, I, I don't want it with him. 
You can't say that about it. You couldn't say that about Golovkin. Who's like who's the guy? Do I think, do I hope that Canelo gets in there with Jamal Charlo? For sure. 100 percent Do I hope Canelo gets in there with Demetrius Andrade? 100%. And I'm a little bit more confident than Andrade. Andrade gets a fight with Canelo more so than Jamal. And that's obviously the zone, matchroom, this, this. From a political standpoint, that's an easier fight to make. But there was a point in the last month where there was a lot of people coming at Canelo saying, hey, man, you're not fighting anybody. Dog, I'm not the biggest Billy Joe Saunders fight. This fight probably should have happened in 2016, 17, maybe 18, right? But it didn't. But we can't act like Billy Joe Saunders. Again, Billy Joe Saunders is not going to win. And I'm not that excited for the fight. But it would be his third fight since December in May. We can't act like that's some Scooby Stacks. Like this is some, this is a, a path that is, is something to be dismissed and not celebrated. Come on. We know he's going to fight in September for Mexican Independence Day. And we know just be, typically because the way he, he operates, he's going to try to fight around New Year's. If Canelo can give us one, two, three, four, Four to five fights in a year span, dog. What what else do you want? Like we gonna nitpick that like that again, for sure. Would I trade in five potential Canelo fights in in a in a twelve month span or a little more than twelve months for two fights against Jamal Charlo and Beaterby? For sure. Of course, sign me up right now. But I don't again. I think we also need to be realistic. And I also think that we also need to be appreciative. It's so easy. We have cultivated a, a, a culture where it's so easy to complain. It's so easy to point out what's wrong with something. I had a, 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 a teacher years ago. And it's not like some unique saying. We've all heard it before, probably. But like, be solutions oriented. If you can identify a problem, bomb. We need that. That's a good thing. We need to spot out problems so we can avoid potential, you know, roadblocks and traps. But that's only half of the equation. If you can, if you can identify a problem, cool, you halfway there. Now, give me a solution. Don't just tell me, oh, shit, man, my house is leaking. You understand? Like, oh, man, my pipes. Okay, cool. What's next? That's okay. We've identified an issue. Now what? You may not like the fighters that he has chosen thus far, but you can't act like, sure, Cesar Chavez Jr., sure, Kovalev, and sure, this most recent fight. You can name fights that Canelo has had that you're like, man, I wish he, he didn't need that. But let's not also overlook the long resume of the fighters he has gotten in with. Who's who? Like, we, we can't do that. Aris Landy Lara, he wanted it with Golovkin for years. For years. Golovkin didn't do it. Canelo stood up and took the test. And it was a hard fight. But it was a fight that he won. We're not doing this thing where we're going to start acting like Canelo's name ain't like that. Nah, let's not do that. 
You may not like everything about Canelo. Lord knows I don't. But we can't act like he's not the face and he's not the best when it comes to the sweet science right now. It's no, it's no comp. Do I want to see him in the ring with the best? For sure. Do I want to see him versus Jamar Chalo? Absolutely. Jaime Mungia, a Mexican friend, like dog. If they do that, that was the fight I thought was going to happen Cinco de Mayo. But then obviously everything kind of went sour with Golden Boy. But if, if we get a Mungia fight in, in, in September, if we get a Maul Charlo fight in September, an Andre fight in September, come on. And that will be his, what, one, two, three, fourth fight in a matter of six or seven. Like, come on, bro. It's like we, we take stuff for granted. We are literally living in a time where we have Serena, we have LeBron, we have, you know, Tom Brady. We have all Mike Trout. We have all of this talent, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt. It's the list, Roger Federer, Joker, Djokovic, Nadal. Like everywhere you turn, we are looking at the best. Simone Biles, Katie Ledecky. Greats, people who have are unmatched in terms of their talent. And we have an entire sports community where from 10 to 4 p.m. on your favorite sports channel, all you hear is what's wrong. Tom Brady's falling off a cliff. LeBron James isn't clutch. Tiger Woods lost a step. Serena can't get 24. And so on and so forth. Canelo ain't fighting anybody. Dog, shut Sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> you feel me? And are you not a fan? I feel like Max, dog, are you not entertained? So many people trying to get the come up on tearing somebody else down that you will lose sight of the, the beauty, the mastery, the, the excellence the genius of all of what we have in store in front of us. Are you a fan or are you just trying to catch a come up? Because if you are a fan of boxing, no, Canelo was not the perfect fighter. No, Canelo has never not made a mistake for sure. But when you look at the, the, the landscape of, of boxing, but of, of combat sports overall, how can you look at Canelo in a negative light? We just lost the legend in Mar Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Someone who was cut from a cloth that was always ready to fight and always ready to fight multiple times a year and take the big tests. Look around the sport. There ain't that many Haglers left. And I'm not comparing Canelo to Hagler. Please understand that. God bless the dead. But in boxing, if you've got some issues, you got so many names. So many things wrong before you can come to Saul. I want to know what you guys think. Two questions. Do you Are you happy that Canelo is going to be as active in 2021? And do you want more fighters to be like this? And number two, who is the fight that you want to see Canelo take most? There are all the names that I named, some names that I didn't mention. I want to hear from y'all boxing heads. Who's the name that you want to see Canelo fight next? 
hit me up. Again, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, man. So I've talked about this topic for a while. I've been hitting at it. It's something that obviously is near and dear to my heart, man. But dog, we just got to stop it. Why the discussion, the debate about analytics, specifically in the NBA, has ventured off into a really, really ugly place. It's our fourth and final topic this week. Fourth Honestly, quarter. Honestly, it's, it's really, it feels so good to be back doing this podcast, man. I hope for everyone listening, wherever you are, wherever you, however you are, however you're receiving this voice, I hope everyone out there has something that they can turn to that they truly deeply love, whether it's a person, whether it's a place, whether it's your job, a hobby, just something that you love, man, because I swear I love doing this. And it was it was wild these last few months or these last few weeks this past month um, as I'm trying to to get things situated where I'm at personally but then still find the time to come back and do this podcast. Uh, whether it was, I need new equipment. It was always these little things, but like even in the midst of a, a, a significant change, man, my passion for this show never dimmed. It never did. You know what I'm saying? And it's such a dope feeling. And I hope that feeling that I feel with this, number one, shout out to each and every one of y'all, man, because even if it was just one person listening, I'd still love to do it. But I ain't going to lie. The fact that a lot of y'all love this show and the numbers keep growing, even though I haven't done it in a month, dog, that joint feels so good. It really does. And I, I can only thank y'all for that, for real. But back to my main point, it's it was like a burning desire, dog. It was like having the urge to scratch, like having all these mosquito bites, but there are no bites. I just had to scratch the junk. You feel me? It's job like a junkie. But there was one topic specifically, and we, you know, I try to thread a common theme throughout the entire show most times. And this time it was about data, just about analytics, man, because we talked about the Anthony Edwards, Nate Duncan kind of back and forth thing earlier in the show. And there was so much reaction to that one instance that, that one instant, excuse me, that one example. And Babbles took, took that example and they ran with it. Even people that I respect, that I admire. Case in point, Master, um, he does the, the, the Bleacher Report segments. Man, really dope. Used to work for the Washington Post. Uh, I don't know him, but Master, I don't want to say his last name because I think I would pronounce it, mispronounce it. But I think y'all know who I'm talking about. Really dope dude. Enjoy his work. Love his work. But after the Anthony Edwards, Nate Duncan fiasco, he had a little um, uh, uh, social media post talking about how, quote, nerds are ruining sports, particularly the NBA. And man, like, that joint just really rubs me the wrong way. When, because, again, cut through the coded language. Typically... When people start talking about advanced statistics, analytics, data in the NBA, and they start talking about nerds and spreadsheets, you know what they're talking about. They're basically saying, hey, man, that stuff, analytics, that's for white guys. It's for white people who've never played. Who never played. That's the code. Let's be for real. 
Like how many, remember ESPN had the, uh, the segment, they had an article by Michael Wilbon and the, it was accompanied by this whole panel discussion about how black people don't use analytics. And that just rubs me the wrong way as a black man who uses analytics. But let's not just stay at the surface level, right? When people talk about math and data and numbers, when it comes to black people, the perception is that black people don't do well with numbers. Let's be real. And that's such an ugly stereotype. And when I see black people feeding into that, I'm like, dog, y'all don't see what's happening? Most people, most fans don't use analytics. So don't make it a black thing. You go to, as again, someone who has, who has subscribed and has followed analytics. Again, I tell y'all this most times, multiple times a month. Wins produced per 48, stumbling on wins, David Barry, wages of wins. That stuff literally changed the way I view basketball. Now, my, my, my situation is a bit different because I'm a Knicks fan. <laughs> and again, I've told this story in the past. I used to be like most people. If you score a lot of points, you are the best players. The best players score the most points. I used to think like that. Until we had a team with a bunch of 20-point scorers and we couldn't win shit. So at that point, it was kind of like my aha moment. Like, okay, we got Stephon Marbury. We got Jamal Crawford. We got Zach Randolph. We got Eddie Curry. We had Steve Francis. We had all of these dudes who could score points. But the best player on our team was David Lee, who didn't score a motherfucking point. But he was producing. And when he was on the floor, we were playing better. So how does that add up? There has to be something that is happening on the court that is not linked to how many points you score. Because points per game doesn't tell you shit. In a vacuum, points per game means nothing. But you wouldn't know that if you don't dive a little deeper. If you don't take a look at the numbers. If you don't start analyzing the data, we have, we have allowed ourselves to let the word analytics become a boogeyman. And then we feed into these negative stereotypes about ourselves, about ourselves, because maybe, just maybe, you personally don't like it, or you personally don't care for it, or you personally haven't spent the time to, to research. And that's cool. Again, most NBA fans don't like, don't know, and haven't educated themselves on analytics. And that's cool. Dog, this is entertainment. There's some people who love music. And their love of music, their passion of music, will make them read, research, play, study, listen to, go to concerts, to a, a, a wide range of different musical, you know, genres. Because they love the music that much. They want to consume it that much. And then there are people like me who love music, but my music love isn't like that. There is no right or wrong answer. But imagine of me, someone who just loves to listen to music, right? A cat, like, I think most people are like this. 
Imagine if I was saying, oh, man, you're going to that concert? Fucking nerd. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine there, there's a, a countless number of people who love literature. They read and they read and they read. And not everything that they read is going to be War and Peace. Not everything is going to be a masterpiece. But they just read because they love the, 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 the word. They love to, to, to go into a place where their imagination can take them anywhere. They love fiction. They love nonfiction, biographies, autobiographies. It doesn't matter. They just read. And then there are people like, I would imagine most of us. I like to read, but I like to read what I like. I don't read everything. I like to read what I like. Imagine if I was looking at the people who love the word, who love literature, and they studied it, not because of a test, not because they're trying to be pretentious or act like they know everything, but just because they love it. And then we're like, hey, what the fuck you doing reading all that? <laughs> you feel me? This shit doesn't make any sense. But in sports, we do that. And then there will be intelligent black people intelligent black people who will then feed into these negative stereotypes. Oh man, you nerd. If you love analytics, you're a nerd. You're ruining the game. The nerds are ruining the game. Hey, ask yourself this question. How many times you think Masai Ujiri has been called a nerd in that respect? Masai Ujiri, the best NBA front office exec that we have. You don't think so? There's no doubt that he's top three. I think he's number one. A black man who uses analytics. When Master or when Michael Wilbon or when J.A. or Donde or whomever start talking about nerds ruining the game because of analytics, you think they're talking about Maasai? Of course not. How many people do you think are calling Maasai a nerd? That man won a championship. That man has turned over two organizations and now there are a number of teams specifically in our nation's capital who want him coming to that roster, that organization in a, in a few months. But nobody's calling him a nerd. Nobody's saying Masai Ujiri is ruining the game. But Masai Ujiri has turned, he traded Carmelo Anthony and his team got better. Listen to me. He traded Carmelo Anthony and his team got better. So what did he know? Because at the time, everybody was killing it. Oh, the Knicks have to trade for Carmelo Anthony. Oh, the Knicks have to. Melo leaves Denver, and they're going to be the worst organization in the league. Oh, my God. You can't get another Carmelo Anthony. It ain't take them that long to get one. <laughs> you feel me? They traded him that same year. They had the best record they had in God knows how long. Made it to the playoffs. Was a two seed, I believe. Hold on. How that math add up? Because PPG tells me that you gave up one of the best players in the league. So how could you get better? Messiah took over the motherfucking Raptors. No Vince Carter. Chris Bosh was gone. It took him no time. Just like that. Made that team into a perennial playoff team. Then made him to a contender, fringe contender, but a contender no less. And then made him into a championship. He traded for Kawhi Leonard when everyone else could, but no one else did. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, bro. And now we fast forward to today. The Brooklyn Nets. 
team that utilizes analytics. They trade for James Harden and the same people, the same people who bet analytics. There's a bunch of nerds. The spreadsheets are ruining the game. They don't know what they're doing. They were the same people who were saying that the Houston Rockets, they won the James Harden trade. The fuck? You feel me? How many times are the same people who kill data, dog, just off the strength? If you are arguing against data, how could you be arguing? How can you be standing in the position of strength, of intelligence? You're arguing against data. And there's a there's a there's a definite position to be had, an argument to be had about how much stock should we put in it. But I don't like the balance who will the confirmation bias that happens, right? You'll see one of those TPA kind of graphs on Twitter. And if it aligns with your own beliefs, then these Bamas will be retweeting and posting and quote tweeting. But that same graph can tell you something that, again, works against your beliefs. And then you'll be like, oh, fucking nerds. Huh? If you don't align yourself, if you, if you can't be consistent, bro, then what are you doing? The same people. There were people who were telling me that Rudy Gobert is no different than Mitch Robinson. And I love Mitch Robinson. I love Mitch Robinson. He's a Nick. One of, my, one of the few Knicks that I rock with. Mitch Robinson ain't no fucking Rudy Gobert. Bama's talking about Ben Simmons as Lamar Odom? Huh? <laughs> like, like, it, it, it's so wild to me. Because people will admire, and correctly... Rightfully so. They will admire and they will give so much compliments and rave about Bam Adebayo. Look at Bam Adebayo's numbers. Look at Bam Adebayo's size, how he impacts the game. And then look at Ben Simmons. And you mean to tell me that one of them is really, really good and the other one is overrated? How does that make sense? And here's the funny thing. The people who don't like Ben Simmons are the people who more times than not kill analytics but they kill analytics because they think that analytics is this one-stop shop this monolithic idea principle you got to shoot threes to be an analytic darling so the people who criticize analytics because they think it's just about shooting threes will then criticize ben simmons because he doesn't shoot threes and i'm just looking around like oh don't y'all see that makes no sense stop taking the energy and the time to 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 pour into these negative and nasty and dangerous stereotypes about numbers. Right? We are pouring in, we are nurturing negative and nasty stereotypes about people of color outside of Asians. Right? When it comes to minorities, let's be real. The stereotypes are Asians are really, really smart. All them other bamas, let's keep them away from the calculator. Oh, what's the current score? Do you understand the smartest people that I know are black? I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I work, I produce television. So I'm just doing numbers in my mind over and over and over again. I talked to you guys earlier. I've always been a fan of probability. I just like that stuff. Don't talk to me about how black people don't do numbers and black people don't do analytics. It's the same black people don't use data and that's wrong. And it's potentially dangerous because there are a bunch of young people who are fans who love math. And then when they see icons, 
icons in the sports world. Michael Wilbon, Stephen A. Smith, J.A. Adande, Mark Spears, talking about how black people don't use analytics. When Master, and again, I don't want to say his last name because I'll miss, um, I don't want to mistake and miss, misspeak on his last name because, again, I am a fan. But a super popular, very strong voice, especially when it comes to youth, is getting up there saying, hey, man, analytics is ruining basketball. And then points to DeMar DeRozan as an example. <laughs> like, I'm like, just wait, come on, man. Your point was well taken. Nate Duncan was lame as fuck for saying what he said when he said it. His whole point was, man, Anthony Edwards is receiving way too much attention for doing a move, for, for giving us a moment that we will remember for years. He's getting too much praise. So let me try to douse it. That's some fuck shit, bro. And there's no other way to call it. But again, as we said in quarter number one, if Ben Simmons scores a career high 42 points and the first thing out your mouth when you see him getting cre uh, credit and praises, oh, but he ain't shooting any threes, you lame as fuck too. And this idea that math, and again, we can have the conversation. In fact, we should have the conversation. Owners and the people who are, have the power to hire prominent positions, they could absolutely be using analytics as a buffer to make sure they are not hiring a diverse group of candidates, that they are not hiring black coaches or brown coaches, that they are not hiring black general managers or brown general managers. They could, and they probably are using that. But if the people with the strongest platforms and with the most powerful voices are then saying, hey, black people don't use that shit. Black people don't use analytics. Nerds are ruining basketball. Well, then there, yeah, of course, there are going to be some people who hear that and be like, yeah, man, fuck analytics. So then you are feeding a negative stereotype, but then it becomes a double-edged sword, and we all can see it. So I was so blown when I saw that, bro. Even in the midst of the passion of wanting to come back and missing talking to y'all and the love I had for it, there was this burning desire to make sure I at least said, yo, we got to stop that shit. Because where does it end? We already lost a large number of people who probably love numbers, who love math, but they may feel like they're less than because their favorite sports analyst is telling you, I mean, black people don't do that shit. You know, a young mind is extremely impressionable. Shit, not just a young mind, minds in general. So if someone with power and great influence is someone that someone may admire is saying, no, black people don't do that shit. You can, it don't take an oracle to, to kind of visualize how that could have a lasting impact, a negative one at that. Man, words have power, Joe. And, I'm, and I know I'm saying this as I'm talking to however many of you all listening to me right now. We just got to do better. You don't have to like analytics. Most people don't. So one of the reasons why I admire baseball, because baseball fought these wars for decades now, and they still fighting it, but they are so much farther along than where basketball is. It's like an outward fight. Like people are complaining. Nate Duncan's passion 
or his hate or his lameness had nothing to do with analytics. It had nothing. He was just hating. That shit ain't had nothing to do with analytics. That's just some hating ass shit. Stop trying to find new reasons to, 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 you know, stop trying to find new reasons to tell people you don't like data. That shit ain't the move, bro. It really not. I had to get that off. I had to get that off, baby. But I'm so glad I did. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. If you disagree, maybe you don't. Either way, I want to hear from you. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E show. I want to hear from you. It's been a month. It's been so long, baby. And the show is so much better when I get to interact with y'all. So, you know, let me know where you guys stand. I think I argued a, a pretty strong and compelling case. But, hey, you may want to be wrong in this example. So if you disagree with me, tell the world why you're wrong. <laughs> Anyway, man, the show is over. It's been four quarters, but man, we got double bonus. We got a bonus episode coming this week. There's so much to talk about, and it was so long I went without talking to you. So make sure you keep an eye out on your iPad, on your, your, your Android. Make sure you keep an eye out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Podknife, wherever, Spotify. I said it already. Stitcher, you know what it is. The places that you listen to your favorite podcasts, hopefully this one as well. Be on the lookout because another bonus episode is coming this week. Also, before I get out of here, it's been a while. But if you enjoy this podcast, do your point in favor, man. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to DSPs, your favorite one. Leave a review, man. Give me five stars. But more important, leave a, word, leave a few words to let me, your friends, the entire world, let us all know why you enjoy the Quarterly Report podcast, man. Because I would really appreciate it in those type of lists go a long way when it comes to the algorithms. Don't ask me why or how. I just know those shits really do matter. <laughs> you feel me? But hey, it's been about an hour. I want to thank you all for rocking with me. I appreciate you so much. And again, know this. The delays are done. We back each and every Tuesday with an extra special episode later this week on the Quarterly Report Podcast. Y'all be safe. Wear your masks. We almost at the end of the tunnel, baby. The light is almost there. So just hold on a little bit longer. Wash your hands. Stay socially distant. And I'll see y'all back here next Tuesday.